good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're seeing this. Um, oh, I got to say, this is, this is strange. Um, what a difference a week makes. It is Sunday, March 15th, and uh, last week at this time, uh, you were here. Um, I never would have guessed that uh, a week later that I would be preaching to an empty room, but alas, these are the measures we needed to take to protect our people and to do our part in, in curbing the further spread of, of this pandemic, uh, at least locally. And I know that all of our association churches have followed suit, and, um, and so here we are, trusting the Lord. Um, God is in control of this, and, and we will not fear because he is our refuge and strength. Every year on November 11th, uh, we, we use the phrase, lest we forget. Those three words have really become the slogan for Remembrance Day, haven't they? Uh, well, before that term was used in reference to soldiers in war, it was used in a poem written by Rudyard Kipling in 1897 called Recessional. And here's how he opens that poem. God of our fathers, known of old, Lord of our far-flung battle line, Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. The, the poem is really a warning, a warning that, that if a nation forgets the true source of its success, of its, of its strength and ability, the Lord God of hosts, its material possessions, its, its education, its military might, none of it will matter in times of trouble. I think we get that we forget, don't we? We all do it. We, we forget. Forgetting to take out the garbage, that's, that's inconvenient. Forgetting someone's name, that's that's embarrassing. Forgetting an anniversary, that's troubling. But when we forget God, the true source of our life and strength, when, when we forget all that He has done for us, that is tragic. And the consequence is devastating. And knowing just how prone we are to forget Him, God reveals in His Word the best weapon for fighting forgetfulness. Psalm 103 is a psalm of David, and, and it was probably written in his later years when he had a much greater sense of the frailty of life and the preciousness of God's forgiveness. It's an amazing psalm, and, and there's, there's so much packed into it. As one commentator put it, more than a thousand pens could write it is one of those all-comprehending scriptures, like a Bible in itself, and it might alone almost suffice for the hymn book of the church. And of course, so many hymns and songs have been based on or inspired by this psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Two parts to it. Um, we've got the, the first part, which is the first five verses that we're going to look at today. And uh, I just invite you to follow along with me 
in your Bibles in, in looking at this passage, Psalm 103. And, and here's what we read. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who redeems, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise the Lord, O my soul. It's kind of like David's giving a pep talk to his soul here. He obviously understood how easy it was to forget all that the Lord had done to bless him. So here, he recalls all of the benefits that God in His grace gives to those who put their trust in Him. He calls on his soul to count his many blessings. We sing that great song, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Well, that's what David is doing here in one sense. There are seven different Hebrew words for praise in the Old Testament, and each one has a distinct meaning. Um, when we think of praise and worship today, certain pictures come to mind, don't they? We probably picture people standing with their arms raised, often looking up. That's, that's a typical picture that, that comes to mind. But that is not what is pictured in this psalm here. The word praise is the Hebrew word barak, which is very closely related to the word barak, which means knee. So the word barak means to kneel. The Hebrews regarded the knees as a symbol of strength. So then to bend the knee is to bend our strength before the living God, to bow down before Him as, a, as an act of submission and adoration. It's an acknowledgement of the fact that, that all we are and all we have come from the Lord. And here, kneeling appears as, a, as an expression of worship. Now, it's quite possible David would have physically been on his knees, perhaps as, as he's singing this, as he's even writing this. It's, it's possible, but it's, it's not the focus here. Spiritual kneeling, if we can call it that, is, is the focus here. Bless the Lord, O my soul, he says. Praise the Lord, O my soul. So how, how do we do that? Mentally, spiritually, and I would say if possible physically, we, we can kneel in adoration, in submission to God who alone is worthy of our praise. That's why David says, all that is within me, bless his holy name. You see, it's, it's, it's actually not a picture of this at all, but, but, but bowing on our knees before the Lord bending our will before Him, our Maker and Sustainer. Um, the importance of Barak, though, and again, that's that word translated praise, Barak, kneel. The importance of that in fighting forgetfulness is seen in how the word forget is used in the Old Testament. You see, forgetting is more than just having a memory lapse. In Deuteronomy 8, to forget God is equated with ignoring God's commands and following after God, other gods. It's, it's disobedience. That's what forgetful, forgetfulness is there. And in order to avoid that kind of 
waywardness, that kind of disobedient forgetfulness, we must praise the Lord. Barak, that is intentionally kneel, bow our wills to him so that we forget not what? Forget not all his benefits. Again, like David, that means we, we remember what God has done and, and we start to count all the ways that, that the Lord has blessed us, provided for us. We name our blessings one by one, starting with forgiveness. That's what he says in verse 3, if you want to look at it there. It says, praise the Lord who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Think about this. Why does forgiveness lead the list of God's benefits? Well, we can never have fellowship with God until the issue of our sin has been dealt with. What does forgiveness mean? Interesting that the Hebrew word salah is only ever used of God forgiving the sinner and restoring a ruined relationship. It's never used of people forgiving each other. You see, unlike us, God's forgiveness isn't affected by feelings. It is perfect and complete. And He alone is able to forgive all our sins. When we forget His forgiveness, you see, proper worship can never be given. There can be no joy. There can be no fellowship. There can be no peace with God unless we know and remember this, that our sin has been forgiven once and for all through faith in Jesus Christ, whose precious blood was shed to wash away all of our sins. In light of Jesus' sacrifice, sins forgiven, that should make sense to us as Christians. But, but what about the diseases healed part? How are we to understand that? Because last time I checked, the hospitals are still full of of sick people, including many Christians. The prosperity gospel, also known as uh, the health and wealth gospel, teaches that God wants Christians to be physically healthy and materially wealthy and personally happy all the time. And advocates of this teaching point specifically to this verse, Psalm 103, verse 3, among others, as proof of of that belief. They encourage followers to, to pray for and even demand material blessing from God. The thinking goes that if a person prays hard enough, if they pray with enough faith, God will always remove whatever affliction they're dealing with. But... But my friends, God never promises that. 2 Corinthians 12, the the Apostle Paul provides a helpful example. He prayed for healing, didn't he, from that thorn in his flesh. And the only positive answer he received from God was, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. As nice as healing would have been, God had a greater purpose for Paul. Think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus prayed, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But the pain and suffering were not taken away. So then I think we can be pretty sure that that lack of faith was not the issue. How do we understand this phrase then in Psalm 103? It's important to see the relationship between disease and sin. 
between forgiveness and healing. Disease, sickness is a product of sin. Not of our individual sin, but of the sinful state of humanity. The fall meant that that sickness and disease and viruses of every kind and, and death are now a part of life on earth. But God's plan, of course, was not finished. God, in His perfect time, sent His only Son, Jesus, into the world, not to immediately stop disease and suffering, not to to explain disease or suffering, not to make it disappear or go away, but to fill it with His presence and to die on the cross in order to pay for the very sin that causes all of our sickness and disease. And then, Jesus rose from the dead. He came to life. He burst forth from the grave in order to give us the promise of our ultimate and perfect healing and restoration in Him, through our resurrection with Him from the dead. In Isaiah 53, 5, we read these words. He was pierced for our transgressions. Jesus, pointing ahead to Christ, was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. Healed. It doesn't say by His wounds we are forgiven. By His wounds we are healed. In Matthew 9, 6, Jesus, when He encounters the paralyzed man, doesn't pronounce him healed. He pronounces his sins are forgiven. You see, the connection between healing and forgiveness in the gospel is first that physical healing is a picture of what forgiveness is. That's what it points to. It points to God's redeeming work in Jesus Christ. So, is Psalm 103 verse 3 a guarantee of perfect physical health and healing on earth? No. Rightly read, And properly understood, there is no such promise or guarantee found anywhere in the Bible. People will get sick from from this and many other viruses. People will still suffer. And the death rate will still hold at 100%. It's not a promise of physical health, this verse but rather a testimony which we must understand in light of Deuteronomy 32, 39, where God declares, there is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I will heal and no one can deliver out of my hand. The Lord gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, writes Job. Can, can God heal us physically of any disease? Absolutely. Should we pray for healing now for, for those who are sick and who are suffering? Yes, we can. We, we should pray with absolute confidence that our God is able to heal right here and right now in whatever way He chooses. But whether or not He does, that's up to Him. The clay does not determine what shape it will take. That's up to the potter. And our God is the potter who alone is sovereign.
he, he does what is for our good and ultimately for his glory. Any physical healing we experience in these bodies is, is at best temporary. For those in Christ, it's only when we're free of these imperfect bodies and clothed with the immortality of our glorified bodies that we will finally be free of the pains and diseases that sin has caused, from coronavirus to arthritis to, to cancer, along with all physical, emotional, or, or mental deterioration. And my friends, this is a benefit that we must never ignore, yet one we can so easily forget, especially in the face of a crisis. Paul writes these words, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. David continues in this psalm. A couple more verses that we, I want to look at right, right now. Praise the Lord who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. With the first benefit of sins forgiven and our lives being made whole, we, we can have the confidence that our status has forever been changed and that God's working in our life is, is to redeem us, not to destroy us. Whatever debt is owed by us to God has been paid for with the blood of Jesus once and for all through faith in Him. Therefore, we, we have the ultimate reason to praise God, my friends, because we are redeemed by His blood. The word redeem here points to a, a beautiful picture in the Old Testament of the kinsman redeemer, one who would ensure the safety of a family member and who would purchase their freedom from slavery. God has rescued us, not only out of slavery, but, but out of hell itself by sending His only Son, Jesus, to earth to suffer and die on the cross in order to pay our debt, the debt of our sin in full. Now think about this. Had, had that debt, our sin debt, simply been erased and, and our spiritual bank account brought back to zero, that, that would be great. That would be amazing. But that's not what happened. In our spiritual bank account, a, an enormous deposit has been made in our account making multi-billionaires look poor by comparison. We're given a whole new status, a whole new life. God's, as God's very own children, redeemed through Jesus Christ. We've been given a glorious and gracious inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for us who through faith have been adopted as sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ. It's like amazing. We're not just released from prison. We are taken from the jailer's pit directly into the royal throne room of the king. And there a crown awaits us. David writes these words. He says, he crowns you with love and compassion. That's what God does. The crown of God's love and compassion is placed on our heads. And what an amazing picture and promise that is. And yet somehow we're, 
We're still prone to forget it, aren't we? Why? Because we fail to kneel. We fail to, to bow our hearts before the Lord, to acknowledge Him, to remember Him, to trust in Him, to love Him. In order not to forget, David calls us to, to kneel, to praise the Lord by bowing our hearts before Him. Think about being crowned for a second. In order to be crowned, one must kneel before the crowning authority. Get down on your knees so that that crown can be placed on your head. And so when we fail to kneel before the Lord, when we fail to bow our minds and our hearts before Him in submission and adoration of Him, we will forget all of the benefits He has given us, all the benefits of His love and compassion. We'll forget His forgiveness, His redemption, His power at work. We'll forget our standing in Jesus Christ and toss it aside when, when we take our eyes off of Him, when, when we do not bow before the Lord, when we do not praise Him as we should. We're going to close with this verse. Verse 5, David says, The Lord who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We're told here that, that God satisfies our desires with good things. Now, it sounds kind of like I get what I want, doesn't it? That, that whatever I desire, He's supposed to give that to me, but, but that's not what this is talking about. The word satisfy is used to describe being nourished with a meal. Rather than a promise of getting all you want, this is a promise that God knows what we need and will give us what is good for us. The good that God gives empowers us. It, it strengthens us. It restores that which is old and weak and tired. The image used here is that of an eagle. This is the same image used in Isaiah 40 verse 31 where we read these words, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Here in Psalm 103, David expressed his thanksgiving by calling upon all of his being, his soul, to praise the holy name of the Lord our God who forgives, who heals, who redeems, who provides, and who alone can satisfy. And today, my friends, I believe we must do the same. It's more important than ever before that we do the same. May we bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And while it is certainly appropriate to praise Him like this, let's remember that, that the posture David describes here actually looks more like being down on our knees in surrender, in humble adoration before God. It's certainly an appropriate posture, by the way, being on your knees for prayer and for praise. And, and it's one I'd encourage you to try if you're not already in the habit of doing that, if you're physically able. Getting in the habit of, of kneeling in prayer before God at home and, and in your quiet times with Him can be 
an amazing posture that, that reminds us of that, that picture of submission, being, being on our knees in humility before the Lord. It can affect our mindset and our heart set. But what if we're not physically able to get down on our knees? Well, for many, age, injury have left us unable to do that. Here's the good news. That's really not what this passage is about. You don't have to be able to get physically down on your knees in order to barack. The psalm says, praise the Lord, O my soul. The Lord knows our hearts, and and that's the most important way that we kneel before Him. All of us are being called here as followers of Jesus Christ to bend the knees of our hearts, of our souls, in submission and adoration to our God, who alone is worthy of our praise, who alone can forgive all of our sins, who alone can heal all of our diseases, who alone can redeem us, and who alone can satisfy. So, today... In these uncertain times that we're facing, in the face of crisis, in in the face of this, this global pandemic, let us praise the Lord, O my soul, lest we forget who's in control, lest we forget all that God has done and has promised He will do lest we forget all of His benefits, let us bend the knees of our hearts in submission and adoration to our God and trust Him through these trying times. They're not trying for Him. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I I want you to know I am praying for you and praying that we will be able to see one another and, and kneel together before our God and worship soon. Until then, let's praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. God bless you.